Hi, this is Eric Gurna, President and CEO of Development Without Limits, and this is Please Speak Freely, the podcast where we have honest conversations about youth development and education. Welcome to Please Speak Freely. I'm your host, Eric Gurna, and I'm here with Posse Salberg, a Finnish educator and scholar who is currently visiting professor of practice at Harvard University's Graduate School of Education, former director general of the Center for International Mobility and Cooperation in Helsinki, Finland. Welcome, Pasi. Thanks, Eric. And I, I should add that uh, his Pasi's best-selling book, Finnish Lessons, What Can the World Learn from Educational Change in Finland, uh, published by Teachers College in 2011, won the 2013 Krahmeyer Award. So be, be, because you have this... Um, best-selling book out there, Finnish Lessons, and because you've been um, pretty present in the conversation around education reform in the States for the past couple of years, I feel like uh, in our the limited time we have together, I don't want to make you sort of summarize and repeat um, everything you say in the book or you know what you do on your TED Talks, which can be seen online, and I'm sure you have many other um, talks that have been recorded um, that you can see online. I think most Please Speak Freely listeners know Uh, that in recent years, the Finnish education system has received a lot of attention for going from being, um, shall I say, somewhat average or mediocre performer on international mm -hmm. measures to being a top performer mm -hmm. on international measures. Um, in your book, you attribute this to factors like improving the teaching force, limiting student testing to a minimum, putting responsibility and trust before accountability, uh, handing over school and district-level leadership to education professionals, which are pretty much the opposite of the um, core tenets of the current uh, education reform movement in the States. Mm -hmm. Instead of making you sort of go over all those things, I think we'll touch on them as we go, but I'd um, love to just sort of jump in with what are my burning questions for you. Sure. The reason that, that Finland has come to such um, have such attention is this rise that the educational system has made in international measures. But the measures themselves are standardized tests, international standardized tests, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering how do you sort of reconcile that or how do you deal with that the, the, the excellence that is attributed to it is also sort of counter to the approach? Yeah, it's a great question, Eric. Uh, let me make a couple of clarifications here. Mm -hmm, please. The, the standardized testings in, in international scene that you refer to are always done in a sample-based way. And, and most of the standardized testing here in the United States that is, is probably also behind your question are not sample-based tests. They are high-stake, census-based Uh, standardized tests that include everybody, all the children, regularly. And, and these international studies do not work, uh, work like this. The other one is that the, uh, when you use the word excellence in this uh, success of different countries, in this case Finland, uh, ex excellence is just one, one part of the story mm -hmm. because there's another equally important dimension in educational success and or educational high performance as it's sometimes called and it's the equity in other words how equitable the system is for different types of uh, children who come from often very very different types of backgrounds and now when you um, uh, when you look at the performance of different countries in this case Finland it's not only the the the, the standardized test scores in these international studies that are higher in Finland than in, in many other countries. But it's particularly the Finnish uh, system strength 
is this uh, equitable nature of the system, uh-huh. uh, which means in one hand, on one hand, it means that the, the, the performance differences between schools in Finland are smaller than anywhere else. In other words, if you take uh, randomly one school here and the other school in another place and you see how, how they perform as schools, uh, the, perfor- the, the performance difference is statistically smaller than in, in other, other countries. So this is one aspect. The other one behind this equity, uh, strong equity performance in Finland is the um, how little uh, of students' performance, students' learning in school in Finnish schools can be explained by their family background. Actually, it, it is uh-huh. a, it's a significant amount, but it's a must, much less than it is in most other countries, uh, certainly here in the United States, or if we go to countries like Brazil or Germany, where uh, where this uh, link between family background, where, where children are coming from, and how they will end up doing in the school is much stronger. So I, I, I think it's very important that everybody who is listening to this story and who is interested in, uh, you know, digging deeper in the question of high performance in education or why some systems seem to be success, more successful than others is that it's not only about the standardized test scores. If we're also interested in the system, how to make the system work, then of course there are issues like uh, equity and uh, fairness and uh, effectiveness, you know, how much resources and money we put into the system. And that's again where the United States and Finland are very different. You have a much more expensive uh, education system overall here in the United States than in Finland. If you look at the, the, these high-performing school systems currently in, uh, in in Singapore or Hong Kong or uh, South Korea, they, they spend huge amounts of time and money and effort to, to get other results that they have. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's why I think these, these all things should be uh, considered when we are comparing countries, not only the the results of the standardized uh, assessments. And when you talk about equity, and I've even heard it, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like I've heard you or others talk about this notion of equity before excellence. Is that is that right? Yeah. Well, you, you know, more, more I think about this uh, this link between equity and excellence that was not really evident 10 years ago. Uh-huh. So 10 years ago, if we had had this conversation, it would have been probably fair to say that most people think that you can either have equity in the system, in other words, that you can have a system that is trying to serve everybody um, as well as possible, or you can have excellence or quality. But you can have both of these things. Um, and, and what we know now is that the, the equity actually is linked and somehow interconnected uh, with the with the excellence, and that's why I'm often saying, just to simplify and, and try to make this point more clear, to say that uh, equity actually is quality. Mm-hmm. If, if you if you invest in equity and if you if you try to enhance the equity at the level of the system, and this is a very important notion here that we are talking about the systems. We are not talking about the individual classroom or one school. Mm-hmm. We are talking about the system of education. So if you invest in equity and try to improve and make you know enhance equity in your system, it seems to be at least given the international evidence that we have right now that also the excellence or quality will follow. And in in your book, you mention a, a few paradoxes, uh, and one of them is is more equity through growing diversity. And I, I want to ask you to um, talk about that a little bit, especially because when when people raise Finland as an example of what's possible um, and a different approach, you know, I'm 
oftentimes the first sort of reaction or criticism that comes up is that um, it's a more it's a less diverse society, mm. and yeah. somehow that it always seems to me I I never know what it's supposed to mean. Then it it, it always seems to me almost like that there's this. Um, unconscious underlying sort of racist something happening there because it's the idea is that with more diversity there mu- it must be harder to achieve yeah 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 i think it's it's, it's very important to ask this question eric that what, what do you what do you think about when you say that when if you have less diversity or you have more homogeneous um, uh, culture or nation. It sounds like people are saying, "Well, the, it's mostly white kids." Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. And and I think I, I think it's uh, without doubt that the diversity in in every case, not in education. If you have more diversity in anything, it makes things more complicated and more complex. You have more kind of a moving parts and more things that you have to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing in in education. There's the, nobody's going to deny it that if you have more. Uh, different languages spoken in your schools, you have different religions there, and you have different races and different expectations and talents and abilities, all, all sorts of things in one classroom. Mm-hmm. That is a, it's a more difficult, complicated to handle that and make it perform, perform or learn well than if you had everybody uh, in the same way. But I think we can differ with the opinions in terms of whether this would be a kind of an explaining factor, whether mm-hmm. we could say that because Finland is less diverse uh, and more homogeneous in many ways than the United States, and that's why it's easier for Finland to do better. But I think anybody who is thinking like this should you know, just broaden the picture and in- then include all the other countries, all the other nations that are also homogeneous yeah. but are not able to perform well if, right. if, if, the, if this diversity or um, you know, lack, lack, kind of a lack of uh, diversity is a kind of, kind of an issue. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that you know, it's a fair argument, but we should not use it as a kind of a... Um, explaining arguments saying that because of this we don't need to you know care about finland finland is irrelevant because uh, it's it's a small and homogeneous and so different to to many other places there are many states by the way here in the united states that look pretty much like finland Mm -hmm. when we look at the demographics the uh the the diversity issues and, and many other things people often forget that finland is actually uh there is a kind of a natural diversity in finland because we have two um, official domestic languages, and uh, we have different uh, minorities in the country, and uh, and many other things. That there is this diversity there, but it's not. You, you cannot see it in the same way that you can see it in many parts of the United States. Right. And what does this mean? More equity through growing diversity. But you know, in in Finnish case, this is one of the, one of the paradoxes that I use in my book because it seems to be that the whole story of this Finnish uh, uh, kind of educational improvement has been kind of flavored by the paradoxes rather than logic. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I'm using this paradox that, that, that at the same time when Finland has been going through a fairly fast kind of a diversification since the beginning of 1990s when we joined the European Union and opened mm-hmm. the borders for um, many more uh, foreign-born uh, people and mm-hmm. children than we have had uh, before. So if you look at the kind of a, uh, how quickly and fast Finnish schools and classrooms have been turned into a much more multicultural um, uh, learning uh, spaces, right. at the same time this this growth in the performance has happened. It is exactly the same time when the diversity has got uh, more obvious in the system, you have seen that the equity has improved and the quality has enhanced in the system. So some, somehow this, this period of time from somewhere in the mid-1990s uh, to um, kind of a 
10, 15 year period seems to be the one where these two developments have coexisted at the same time, rather than saying that when the diversity gets, when we, when we have more uh, diversity in our classrooms or more immigrant children, if you wish, that then equity get wo- gets worse, like, as it does in many countries, and, yeah. and the quality suffers. So that's that's one of one of these. It's probably a minor paradox in in this whole story, but it's an interesting one. I love the the approach of basing the story on on paradoxes because it seems like, um, especially when people write a book, that um, people are often inclined towards having this linear narrative, like this happened exactly. and this happened, and therefore exactly. this happened. And that's in conclusion, exa- yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to avoid here. Yeah. And and you know, through my own research, I have I have learned that by relying on a logic when you tell the story, you can help people to understand better what what they already understand. But if you if you use the paradoxes in your narrative, you can help people to understand something that they don't understand yet. Yeah. And I think in this Finnish story, it's very important that people people have to be able to look at some of these things that they have never thought about. Right? You know, h- how can you how can you run the system? The the, the 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 other paradox there is that you can actually think about uh, improving the performance of your school system by doing less of the things that you often think that you should be doing more. Yeah. Because if you just re- you rely the logic on um, on your in your thinking, then you would say that if kids don't learn math. The problem is that they have too little math or they have too little things in a curriculum and they, they have too little homework. And that's what you see around the world when the, this problem occurs, that pe- uh, kids are not learning something, so let's give them more. But what Finland has done is exactly the opposite, that if when we realize that there's a problem with learning this or that, we actually ha- have reduced this type of instruction and replaced it with something that nobody else would have done by music or arts or just giving children free time in a school to do something else. Uh-huh. So that's that's what I mean, the kind of a less is more idea in when it comes to teaching and learning. Yeah, and that is it's one of the things that I actually also had in my notes that I wanted to talk about these these cultural differences because the idea of um, doing less math when the you know the math performance is low, so do less of it and do other things, it's it's so counter to the American culture, mm. and it, which is evidenced by the current movement to, um, quote, extend time or expand time, um, which has been growing and growing, that the idea mm-hmm. that particularly that um, kids who go to schools in economically poorer neighborhoods need to have more school. Yes, yeah, yeah, I think it's a, it's absolutely right, and that's why I think, you know, that's one, one of these aspects that ha- has made Finland a kind of an interesting and attractive uh, place. It's not always that people come, they're looking at Finland because of the high performance and, you know, how to get the same uh, same uh, international scores than Finland, but they, many people, you know, they visit Finland and they study Finnish education system because they really want to understand how can you do things in a so completely different way that especially that you can find here in the United States or mm-hmm. England or Australia, the kind of a fundamental, the, the basic kind of assumptions, you know, thinking about improving education system are so different. So that's why people are kind of paying attention to to uh, Finnish education because it seems to be like almost like impossible. Mm-hmm. Like you, can, you cannot do these things mm-hmm. uh, uh, if, if it's so so different. So to, to change uh, gears a little bit, can you tell me what is a what is a typical day like for a student in Finland? You know, we hear a lot about the the policies mm-hmm. and you know the the factors that have gone into improving the system, but we hear I feel like we hear less about what what is how is the experience of young people different or the same? 
Yeah, well, it depends obviously what type of uh, what what level of education or what age group sure. we are we are looking. If, you, if we uh, if we speak about high school students in Finland, I think high school students they they work in a in a pretty similar way than they do here or in many other countries. I think high school systems are fairly uh, much more similar than um, the the middle school or, pr- or primary school uh, mm-hmm. things. You know, one notion I always want to make at this type of um, uh, conversations is that. Uh, in Finland, we start start formal schooling much later than in many other countries. That is, uh, is at the age of seven. Mm-hmm. But if you look at, let's say, let's look at the fourth grade uh, school day, which is a kind of a typical uh, point. That's in the fourth grade, Finnish children are about eleven years old. Mm-hmm. So they normally the school day looks like this: that the um, children go to school about let's say eight thirty or nine, and then uh, the, the classes uh, in most schools the classes last 45 minutes and what you do not do what i don't see here in the united states is that after this one lesson is done in in all finnish schools children have 15 minutes break or recess to play between and every every 45, four, minute every 45 minutes oh, so, so they have a 15 minutes and in primary schools they always go out they put their boots on and coats on even if it's a it's a cold or snowy outside and they uh-huh. have their own time free time to do whatever they do uh-huh. 90% of the kids do their own plays they play with their friends or do some some other fun things that they they want to do and then they go back to the second class okay and the second class or lesson is again for 45 minutes and then there will be a break it may be a lunch break that is probably about 30 minutes or 40 minutes including this recess time to be outside and do your own things mm-hmm. and then again, again 45 minute lesson 15 minute break 45 minute lesson and then probably the day is over so normally fourth grade students they would have four or five uh, lessons a day so the day would be over around two o'clock mm-hmm. but in a in a typical finish schedule of a fourth grade uh, class you would find 75 minutes uh, recess built in into the school day yeah and i have been in schools here where the the total time for recess can be 10 minutes yeah my, 15, my daughter has i think minutes. she's in kindergarten she has 15 minutes yeah. and there's a yeah. just an asphalt lot with no playground equipment yeah on. and i i think that this this is one of the big differences how this how the school days looks like and and the, you know the interesting aspect of this is that this is actually in the regulations the legislation for our schools that says that f- for every 60 minutes for instruction 45 minutes is uh, reserved for teachers to you know do what what they think is the best thing to do to teach math or whatever it is but then the 15 minutes is has to be given for children so this is a children's Mm -hmm. time to you know play and um, uh, you know do whatever they want to do and each of those class those 45 minute blocks is that this with the same teacher for that fourth grader are they with the same teacher or with different teachers yeah you know this is this is another different thing is that we most i i think all of the schools in finland primary schools they 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 are built designed uh, this type of uh, how do you call it a looping uh, system that Mm -hmm. the the same teacher will follow the the fourth grade this year they'll stay with them she will be teaching the fifth grade and then so she gets to know that group they get uh, not only that they they know each other yeah not only that they teach will learn the students but more importantly teacher will also uh, learn to know the parents Mm. and that's why i think it's a you know it's it's an important thing when uh, for example the question of how these students how these pupils will be assessed Uh, fourth grade students must not be graded yet so the finnish system is not allowing fourth grade uh, students to be graded 
So they, they get no grades. No grades. Yeah, uh, before the fifth uh, fifth uh, grade. As this means that um, the reporting the progress of students, their learning, has to be done in a kind of a descriptive way in a report card. But yeah. much of the much of the kind of kind of a evaluation student uh, assessment happens between. Uh, in the conversation between the teacher and the parents, mm. so they go through the uh, what, what, whatever the kid is doing in the school mm-hmm. uh, by teacher explaining and, and telling parents what's what's happening there. So that's a that's a kind of a, another aspect of this thing. But you know the the school day overall, um, school days are fairly informal in Finland. Uh, even at the fourth grade, uh, pupils will uh, they will talk to their teachers using their first names, and uh, it's a very kind of an informal um, setting, almost like being at home. It's interesting because here you, you hear a lot about respecting teachers in terms of calling them by their, you know, Mr. Mm. or Mrs. and yes. that sort of thing. But in Finland, the, the teaching profession is held in very high esteem, whereas here it's it's not. Yeah, I think uh, in Finland this would be probably almost the opposite, that the kind of a sign of respect between from from pupils' side would be to, you know, speak, Talk to teachers politely using their first name, a kind of an informal way. Mm-hmm. That would be that would show that we are kind of a, I, I trust you and 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 respect you what you do when I when I can speak to you informally. And when it comes to the sort of behavior in the classroom, what are the typical sort of uh, what are the ways that teachers um, keep the group cohesive? Keep let's say. Um, a very tangible example is um, you know, my daughter's always talking about being shushed, you know, that the noise level is <laughs> yeah, too, too yeah, high. And, and, yeah. and in my daughter's classroom in particular, and, but I see it everywhere because it comes from this thing called positive behavior intervention here, which is in almost every public school. Mm. Um, and it's this um, – it, it plays out differently in different schools, but it's always um, a, a combination of uh, reward and punishment. And it's right. usually it's some sort of – as Alfie Cohn would call it, a token economy based in – um, that were created in mental hospitals in the 1950s or <laughs> 30s, I forget. Yeah. But it's, um, you know, she gets a candy cane yeah. if she was quiet yeah. in the hallway or she, if she's talking at her table with her group, chatting with her friends, she might be, her name gets moved from green to yellow, mm. Um, mm. and that's a warning. And if you get to orange and if you get to red, forget it, you're in big trouble. You know, so that's, yeah. it's yeah. a constant uh, calibrating of behaviorist yeah. sort of methods. Yeah. Um, what is... What is the equivalent? What is the atmosphere like, or yeah. how do the teachers manage? Yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, I uh, I would be surprised to find anything like this commonly in Finnish schools. Obviously, you may find some teachers who use similar methods. But then I, I must also say that the you know one of the things that have changed in Finland during the last probably ten years um, in a classroom life is that there there are probably more and more incidences in in schools within schools and classrooms where the behavior becomes an issue and many of the my colleagues who are teaching in finland they say that one of the thing that is really causing them more headache than before is the the classroom management how mm-hmm. i can you know you know uh, maintain the or, kind of an orderly um, uh, atmosphere in a classroom but you know i think the kind of a general approach to this issue in finnish schools and starting from our kindergartens, is that we try to, um, you know, educate our young people to uh, learn to take responsibility for their own lives, their own behavior and own learning also in the schools. And this is this is something that actually I have learned to um, see more clearly in Finland only because of the 
the the scores of uh, educational visitors from here uh, the United States and and they have often told me that can you see this how the um uh, how the school system is really systematically trying to to educate and and uh, uh teach the young people to be responsible for the th- things that they do and i think that this would be probably more common thing to s- to be seen in a finnish schools so that you can see that there's a lot of kind of a self control and a kind of a group control as well that we we are using more and more kind of a small group uh, cooperative learning types of uh, arrangements in the schools and one of the principles in a good implementation of cooperative learning is that you um, you teach and coach uh, children and young people when they are members of the group to control and manage what they do and i think that the, if you if you take the kind of a, a typical finnish school that this would be probably more common mean of, of trying to you know regulate and 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 control the behaviors than um, anything that would be based more on kind of a uh, reward and and punishment type of thing that would that was actually when i went to school it was a, the most common way of making sure that i behaved and my friends uh, mm-hmm. were uh, doing things that they they should be doing what you've been out there sort of um t- telling the world about mm-hmm. is finnish school system in the past 10 years or so right? oh, 40 years 40 years <laughs> yeah it's, it started 40 years ago this kind of a, this journey that we are still on mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's of course it's very difficult to say when you know w- you know when was the moment when the kind of a um, uh, significant things happened it was yeah. somewhere in the early 1990s or mid 1990s I, I, I don't know but this whole story is uh, it's about 40 years long. That's actually interesting because it wasn't that someone sat sat down and decided that we were going to have a plan that included equity, that included this, that included that. It came out of the culture in, in, at large that, and only in reflection have you sort of looked to distill what are the elements that have made the Finnish system what it is. Yeah, you know, this main direction that we have now that we, we, are, we are one of those education systems that has been built through uh, enhancing and improving both equity and equality of uh, opportunity in in Finland. That that was that was highly debated after the Second World War, and it was um, decided uh, by our parliaments 50 years ago, and and the implementation started 10 years later. So it's it's been a really a kind of a long national project yeah. uh, that can be explained by many things related to culture, but also. Um, kind of a economic realities that we are a small nation about now we are about five and, five and a half million people mm-hmm. but we don't have anything in our soil or in our country that would make uh, us wealthy other than our minds so yeah. it was very easy for anybody mm-hmm. regardless of the political uh, opinion to say that you know if we want to be successful and this was this was a conversation in 1960s that mm-hmm. Finland wants to be successful in other words like Sweden and America and England um, uh, rather than be like a Soviet Union or the, the much of the East, mm-hmm. that the, we we have to educate people and not just somebody because we some people because we are so small, but educate everybody. So it's easy easier to understand this if you put it in a kind of a context of political economy and and political history and uh, and, sure. a cul- and, and a culture. So that's that's where we uh, where we kind of planted the seed of the Finnish dream of having a great school for yeah. each and every child. And so, what was your own experience as like a, as, a as, as a student in Finland? You were, you grew up in Helsinki? Or? Uh, no, I, I was uh, I was born in another part of the country, and you know it's uh, difficult to say because my parents were teachers. My father was uh-huh. a uh, primary school head teacher in a small village school, and uh, you know I was 
I was literally I was born in a classroom and uh, you know so, some of those memories. You're literally born in a classroom. <laughs> no, pr- practically, <laughs> yes, practically, because yeah, okay. that, that that was that was where. Um, where we lived, we lived, sure. in, we lived in a school, and uh-huh. my, my living room was actually a primary school classroom. Yeah. Wow. So I, I remember those um, uh, those days when when I was not in a school yet, and I was waiting that the, the pupils will go home and they leave the classroom to me mm-hmm. so that I can go and play there, all sorts of things. Hmm. But you know, I, I had a lot of expectations to uh, you know start schooling and go to school, and I think f- uh, some of the first years were just fine. But I very quickly learned myself that you know the school is not the place where uh, where I can really find um, who I am and what I really want to do and I've you know I've, when I when I was in the school I felt that I have something that I can probably do in this world and I was expecting that the school to do a little bit more to help me to find and discover mm. this but I, I never was really able to do that I discovered many other things but they had nothing to do with education and schooling with my mm-hmm. but mostly with, with the people outside of the school so you know I, I left the school I went to finish school for 12 years and I left the school with the very good memories of some of the teachers and some of the individuals and some of the kind of ideas that were introduced there but I had a lot of lot of questions about you know is this really the best we can do to to you know give uh, all the kids something like this and this was in the this was in the middle of the um, implementation of this Finnish dream, and I remember that you know we, we we really have a system where we want everybody to, you know, realize and discover what they want to be and be better than uh, the, the previous uh, generation. So that was a kind of a spark that made me choose teaching as my career mm-hmm. uh, when I was about 18, 17, 18 years old, and I said I, w- I want to try if I can do any better than what I have had. Uh, through the school i'm not blaming teachers i'm just uh, kind of a pointing my finger to the school system the kind of a culture that we have that time and i mean it's an interesting question about whether that's the the goal of a school system is to help help students discover who they are and um you know and that's certainly not how um most l- education leaders in the states talk they talk mm-hmm. about um um, building the skills and knowledge necessary to work successfully in a 21st century world. That's they talk right. about building the skills and knowledge yeah, necessary to yeah. go to higher education, but not necessarily the, the word discovery doesn't. Yeah. yeah. If you did one of those word maps, uh, discovery yeah. would not be one of the big words. That's right. But Eric, I think it's, 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 it's a great question. You know, if you ask this question that, so what is the purpose of schooling? Right. Uh, you get two different answers depending on, who are the children you're thinking of? If you think your neighbor's kids or mm-hmm. somebody else's children, you, the answer is exactly what you said, that we want to have kids who are you know, ready to work and compete in the labor markets and you know, do these things. But when, as soon as you think about your own children, and I, you know, I've been asking this question earlier from myself, not as a general question, but something that relates to my own kids. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what would I expect from the school where my own children go? Or when would I be happy to say that the school has been successful with my own child? Yeah. And I have no other answer to this. You know, I, I really don't care whether uh, my children have this knowledge and skills that they need for college or university or this or that. If they leave the school with this type of um, kind of experience that I had, mm-hmm. that the school was not really able to light up the kind of a desire to learn and passion to you know understand more about these things. So, uh, you know, when my my first son went to school, he, he was graduating the high school. I asked this question uh, repeatedly from myself, and my answer was that um, you know if he leaves the school, leaves the school with the 
kind of way of thinking that now I know who I am and now I know what I want to do mm-hmm. and I want to learn more about other people I want to learn more about the world and myself and I know how to do that I can say that this this school has fulfilled the purpose okay but unfortunately I see that many many um, many of my son's friends didn't have anything like this that they didn't know they were not s- much smarter leaving the school uh, compared to when they went into there and I think that this is not really what we should be doing mm-hmm. so that's why I think it's a, this is an extremely important question but it should be asked in a two different contexts and you said you went you decided to go into teaching and you taught for a number of years um, in a, in Finnish schools, is that yes, right? yes. But now, for the, at least the last couple of years, you have been sort of an ambassador for education for the Finnish education system. Um, between publishing the book and doing a lot of speaking internationally, now you're visiting uh, visiting professor at Harvard, right? Mm, yes. Um, how did that come to be? How did you end up um, in the role of Finland's repre- Finland's education system's representative to the world? It's all accidental, so it's a, it's against my own will. I never never uh, kind of a plan to be like this. I would say that the United States has an extremely important big role to play in this, because uh, you know I had a chance to live um, in Washington D.C. I was there between 2002 2007, so a period of about five years, and I knew pretty much what I know now. But nobody was interested in hearing me. There was mm-hmm. not really in the United States. There were very few people that time who were truly interested in, you know, learning what the other countries are doing in education. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I think the big change happened when the current administration took the office and uh, opened the communication to institutions like OECD in Paris and, and many others. Um, and they wanted to, you know, see what the other countries are doing and had much more open approach to uh, education issues. And only then... Um, I, I think the, the kind of interest here in the United States to Finland and, and some of the Asian countries um, started to grow. Mm-hmm. So I, I think without this kind of a, uh, my own experience here and my you know my work here in the United States um, in different parts of the United States, um, uh, you know this role that you mentioned for me that I never uh, actually wanted to have would not be as it is right now, that this is very much because of the uh, expanding interest here in the United States to, uh, you know, have a dialogue and learn more about the what Finland has been doing and other countries in education. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. It's it's almost another paradox because that that growing interest in what Finland's doing, it comes at the same time as the United States as on the the larger system level is doing exactly the opposite is doing. Mm-hmm is relying more on accountability and relying more on standardized testing, relying more on, uh, you know, Teach for America and what you, the, the opposite of what many would consider to be, profe- you know, really respecting the yeah. profession. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, is it possible for those of us here and maybe in other countries who want to learn from the Finnish experience, is it possible for us to utilize anything in small bits or is is there a larger cultural change that needs to happen? We have this quick fix mentality here. You yeah. know, if, if there's a pill yeah. to take rather right. than something, a way to change my lifestyle, I'm just going to take the pill. Yeah. But I'm kind of wondering, like, is there a pill? <laughs> you know, like, doesn't. I, yeah. Well, I, the pill 
could be probably my book. I often say that read my book and it will help you to you know think think about feel better and and think about a little bit differently about the education. Finnish lessons is actually an interesting title because it includes many aspects of this. And what, one of the Finnish lessons that I'm not I'm mentioning it in a book, but I'm speaking more and more about that in the United States. And I think that that would be perhaps one of, one of the important lessons for the united states from finland and it is this that you know if you if you if you walk through the finnish education system including schools and classrooms and teachers and principals and researchers and authorities and you you ask a simple question that so where did you get your inspiration to do all these things where yeah. did you get the innovation and the ideas and the practices and the models and methods mm-hmm. that you use in the schools people will probably think for a while and then they go back to their their chambers and they try to, uh, you know start to tr- trace back these um, uh, where these ideas come from next day they come back to you and say that you know many of these are from the United States of America mm-hmm. and uh, many of them would say that actually how our entire school system um, is probably pretty much what the John Dewey for example was thinking about sure. here uh, 100 years ago so the lesson from this is that you know if it's true that Finnish this Finnish story and this successful building of equitable school system is made of very much on firstly a kind of a Scandinavian or Nordic uh, plan Mm -hmm. but then um, we have used American ideas as a building blocks if it's true that that's you know this is really happening then of course um, it indicates shows the the Americans that you know these are not probably very bad ideas if they make if they're able to make the system work Um, so nicely as as it has done in Finland. In other words, if you really want to see how American educational ideas and innovation uh, that you have here in this country more than anybody else uh, has ever designed in the world, how it works uh, in in a large scale, in a whole system way, you can come to Finland and take a look because <laughs> many, many of those things are there. And yeah. I, I try to convince people here in the United States to, you know, I think it's always important to innovate and ask the questions that, so what, what is the next idea? What is the next kind of a solution that we should be designing for the school system but it's equally important here to t- turn back and look at the history of 100 years of your great mm-hmm. education here and see that are there any you know elements any ideas there that could be useful here and and many of those ideas you can see in practice in Finland and many other countries Singapore is exactly the same thing mm-hmm. Japan South Korea and Shanghai increasingly they're relying on American ideas so that's why I think this important lesson for this country is that there are so many good ideas and good things that you already have um, uh, in your hands we're so far from Dewey now though here oh do yeah you, do you see <laughs> do you see any um uh Do you see reason to hope that we could swing back in that direction here in the states? Do you see in, in your travels? Do you do you see bright spots? And um, do you get inspiration from anything happening here? Because so much of what's happening here is exactly counter to yeah, what you're yeah. advocating. Yeah, you, but you, Eric, I think I think the good news is here in the United States that you you are, you are the best example of the country of the nation that is really living with this uh, can-do mentality. I, I don't know any other country that would so strongly. Uh, you know, live with this idea that, you know, we can do this if we really want to do this. So anything is possible here. Uh, but then when it comes to education, I think the um, we, we, we need to be probably a little bit more careful with the kind of a whole system change. I don't think that the, the whole federation, this huge complex uh, entity called United States of America that has 
15,000 districts and 15 systems and all this blended together, mm-hmm. that this could change just like that. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't see any uh, kind of a chance of this type of thing. But because of the kind of a nature of this kaleidoscope type of uh, uh, matrix that you have, uh, the, the hope that I can see here is that you, you, you will have, and you have already now, some of those districts that are you know turning their course and they they have said that you know enough is enough this doesn't lead anywhere that we need to start to do things in a, in a different way it may be the finnish way it may be the asian way or something the original uh, invention but i know that some of these um, uh, local school systems are already turning around and they try to you know build and create a different type of culture i think the turning point here in the united united states will be and i truly believe that it will happen is when one of your states decides to, you know, turn the course and and change the direction and uh, redesign, you know, many of these um, kind of a f- basic things that are now ruling the education thinking in this country. It can be a small state. It can, could be a Rhode Island, or it can be a lot larger state somewhere here in the United States. But somebody has to take a lead and show that you know uh, it's all right to think you know as you are thinking about education but we can show you that there's another way also to do these things and this is exactly the story of Finland too you know Finland has been a kind of an island in this world of educational change and educational reform where it has been able to uh, you know choose its own way and say that you know we appreciate what you do but we we think that this is the better way to do um, uh, against all the odds and advice and um, kind of a guidance that we have had uh, elsewhere so you know if there's one state here that could um, redesign the uh, the thinking of education and different 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 ways of doing these things this could then start the movement and slowly um, you know change some of these things that are not so helpful for the, the American school system. Are you placing a bet on which state it might be? Uh, well, you know, I don't have any favorites in this, but <laughs> of course, you know, if you, if you have a small state, it's it's obviously much easier than, you know, being a Texas or California mm-hmm. or New York or, or Florida. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's very complicated in these states. But, you know, some of these... Uh, some of these um, States here in New, in New England uh, would be great. I think Minnesota already having a kind of a strong Scandinavian Nordic influence there uh, because of the immigration is one of one of the places that could could do. You know, Minnesota mm-hmm. is, looks very much like Finland. Uh, people think very much like Scandinavian people think, and that's mm-hmm. that's why I think it's also the qu- question of where are where the people are most likely to kind of accept a little bit different way of. Thinking, defining education and defining health and well-being, and you know, these all are part of this package. So, but you know, I would put a lot of hope in uh, in this part of the United States. Great. Well, it's been a, such pleasure talking to you, and I, I know you have other things you need to get off to. But I want to say thank you very much for taking the time to be on. Please speak freely. Thank you very much, and, and I wish you good luck with uh, with all the efforts. I have a lot of uh, lot of uh, appreciation and respect to to American education. Anyway, thanks very much. Thank you. Oh, but he believes me.